would say my relationship with cannabis started at a really young age, uh, a young teenager. And having studied plant medicine, what I realized is that I didn't have a respectful and reciprocal relation with the plant medicine until I went into a deeper study and understanding of the natural world. Um, in particular, studying with the Shipibo tribe in the Amazon rainforest of Peru. And so uh, there is in college is where I really got this fundamental understanding of the natural world and how when we can learn to quiet our minds, uh, we'll be able to hear their wisdom and hear the messages that they'll say to us. Mm -hmm. Many people say that the plants are speaking to us and nature, all of nature is speaking to us all the time, but we're just really so disconnected in this modern world with artificial lighting and EMF rays and technology uh, really sets off our nervous system from being in that place of the plant spirit communication. So once I was able to establish that understanding, I came out with Ganjasana, which is a word I created with ganja and asana. And so also I've had a yoga practice since a very young age and having those tools of understanding the asanas, how to hold our body, understanding pranayama, how to breathe became very helpful in my plant medicine journeys. And I thought that what a great way to help share this education with other people by being a guide or this source uh, to help give these tools to others for their own plant medicine journeys and ultimately to reach their own healing. Mm, that's wonderful. Wow. Uh, yeah. How long were you living with the Shipibo people? Uh, well, I first went down there in college for a semester. It was a semester abroad, and it was this class called the Shaman's Pharmacy out of the uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst with um, Chris Killam, who's also known as the Medicine Hunter. And so he brought a group of students down there um, to the Ethnobotanical Gardens. And so we were really on an academic uh, study, but part of that study of the plant medicine was understanding the plant spirit medicine. And I was actually a pre-med student at the time. So this was not a class that was counting towards my credits. And I, it was my last year, my senior year, I had, um, was all prepped. I took the MCATs to go to med school. And this class changed the course of my life because what I understood from an academic standpoint was that all of the labs that we were doing and all of the textbooks, they were funded by pharmaceutical companies. And it was really based in um, controlling the outside of the body in what I might call a reductionist type of science, where you're isolating molecules or isolating compounds. And what I found in working through the Shaman's Pharmacy course was that our healing in medicine is really so much more profound than that. So for example, they don't have any classes on nutrition and I believe food is medicine and they have most doctors have no training on the endocannabinoid system, for example, one of our systems in our, our bodies that everyone has and helps control all of the different systems. Um, so that was the first time I went down there for a semester. And then I continued to study um, going back every couple of years or so for the last 
10, 10 years. So that was a while ago. I graduated in 2010. Um, wow, that's been about 12 years now. And I've been back a couple of times. And so when we go there, we'll generally have a eight to 10 day ceremony where you're on a few days and then you take a night off and then you'll go a few more days. And so it's a really deep experience where the journey is uh, comprehensive. So you're, you're working with your particular ayahuasquero or curandera um, where you're sharing about your experience and they're giving you advice, um, either like, you know, maybe you want to try throwing that down the river or send it up to the light or try burning it. So the next night when you go into ceremony, you have their advice to kind of help guide you. Mm. That's awesome. I've never done ayahuasca myself, but from the numerous accounts of people that I've spoken to and listened to, uh, it seems like a journey that goes beyond just the mere uh, chemical, you know, ingesting the chemical. Like It seems like there's so many elements to it and uh, like a planning and just, uh, yeah, just touching on more than just here, take this and you'll be okay. Like, it seems like it's a whole ceremony. Like the ceremony is just as important as the chemical substance of DMT. Would you say yeah, that's accurate? Absolutely. And I, I personally have never had DMT, which is the isolated chemical from ayahuasca. And I haven't had that purposely because personally, I'm not into isolates at all. What be it a DMT isolate or mm -hmm. it a, a CBD isolate because that is not how nature created that molecule. It did not create it on its own. Yeah. And so yeah. although there may be uh, some medicinal benefits or insights, um, it can also be really harmful. Um, and the ceremony, as you mentioned, is a lot of it, is the whole part of it, is really thinking about what's your intention in working with this plant medicine. Um, and having this intention set the ceremony around your use of the plant medicine. And something else I always like to mention is the source of your medicine, um, whether you're working with cannabis or something more psychedelic like ayahuasca, how was it grown and who grew it, who harvested it, who brewed it, uh, mm -hmm. what other plants did they add to their brew? Um, because just like, a cook in the kitchen, your energy goes into that food, your energy is going into the plant medicine, um, as well as whatever was in the soil or whatever plants were around, or if they used pesticides, fungicides, or herbicides, that's going to end up in your final product. So if you're looking to have a, a spiritual experience, I really like to focus first on the soil and understanding our connection to the soil um, before even thinking about the plant in which it will grow. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Have an organic spiritual experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's powerful. Like the energy that goes into this is more than just is it's more than just the chemical. And it's it's a hard science. It's hard to convince hard science of that, you know, in the materialistic world that we live in to really get on that wavelength of, you know, the love that goes into these substances or practices and the whole intention behind it. I think that's important. It's like the intention that you put in to whatever your your way to you know 
to tap in is it's it's about like your mission almost like what do you want out of it is this is this truly a way to connect with yourself or is this like an escape you know things like that and that is something that you can't really you can't really learn that in a textbook that's just something you have to tap into uh on your own accord and you know as they say like open up your third eye that's kind of what it's about is like realize your how important energy is in intentionality in our actions and how important that is in, in changing your whole entire experience um yeah i believe that 100 percent. so like yeah I, go ahead were you gonna say something oh i was just gonna say in uh in yoga and sanskrit we call it our sankalpa or, or your intention of why you're working with the plants <clears throat> and there's a, a joke a lot of people say that uh, like a, a lot of the businessmen who come down to ayahuasca ceremony from Silicon Valley or wherever that the uh, shamans joke that they'll end up puking on their new Nikes <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, if you ask the plant, <clears throat> how, how can I make more money or how can I become a millionaire? Yeah. She'll just slap you on the face and give you a real run for your money, a real journey there. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of, a lot of, uh, the time I like to say too, you know, you could drink all the ayahuasca in the world and, and still be an asshole. So the most important part too, besides having the intention of why you might be working with a particular plant ally is the integration piece afterwards, all the work that you do to integrate those experiences that you just had is some of the most critical work that you can do where you find your healing. Because what I have found is that really every time I've worked with plant medicine, it, it shows you what you already know. It's really just a mirror and, and you already have all the answers inside of you and you know them all. They're deep inherent within our DNA, but these plants are just a guide. They're our ally and they're really helping us unlearn all the things that prevented us from living in this space of this ultimate knowing. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Now, what do you think is the right intentionality and right foundation in yourself uh, to, you know, to kind of approach the plants with? Is there like a certain kind of way that you orient or you practice or you prepare for either like a cannabis ceremony or ayahuasca ceremony? Um. Yeah, there's a well, for cannabis ceremonies in Ganjasana, what I do to prepare the class is basically from a scientific level, I'm bringing the students into their parasympathetic nervous system because um, our, our autonomic nervous system, we're either in sympathetic, which is fight or flight, or parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. So if you are in fight or flight, which a lot of us in this current age are living in this sense, mm -hmm. um, it is virtually impossible to connect with the natural world because you're in a state of fight, right? You're in a or flight. And so your body is in this hyperdrive. So we use these tools of, of the breath, pranayama, I'll do drumming, rattling to help bring our body into the parasympathetic nervous system before we even think about what's our intention. Um, and then I use practices of mindfulness, uh, which is present moment awareness to help connect us and meet the plant. So you don't even need to consume a plant to work with it, right? Um, you can just 
hold a plant medicine and use all of your different senses. So just your sight, your vision and con contemplating all of the uh, photosynthesis it took of the fan leaves of this cannabis plant to take the agony energy of the sun and create this beautiful flower with these trichomes. And just in even contemplating looking at this plant could bring you so much insight and healing. Mm -hmm. um, and then using your sense of smell, the aromatics and the aromatherapy that you get from just smelling some fresh chronic ganja uh, could give, gives you so much uh, healing as well. And there's a lot of research too into the uh, aromatherapy aspects of cannabis. And I know from my own personal healing journey, um, I had been very sick in my past and part of uh, what I found is um, one of my symptoms, I had severe nausea and vomiting and I couldn't eat or, or you know, ingest anything and just cracking open a jar of, of some chronic cannabis took all of that nausea away and just smelling the beautiful aroma um, was, was everything for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, also feeling it. We have marma points on all of our hands. Our, our whole internal organ systems are connected with each point inside of our hand. And so when you feel these plants, when you put your, I, I will sometimes uh, bring my worms. I do vermicomposting and have soil. So I'll have the students hold the soil in their hands and the microbiology in the soil is starting to activate your microbiome. So before we even touch the plants, we're, we're getting this deep connection to the natural world. Um, and so those are some parts of the mindfulness that I might invite into the ceremony. Um, and then setting the intention, so the Sankalpa setting, and then there's other pieces um, like an atonement. Um, I like to point out when you spell out the, out the word atonement, it, it looks like at one mint. And that's often a sacrament you'll see uh, in church or written about in a Bible. And uh, you could take the oil and just bring it onto your forehead or your third eye, like a cannabis oil. In the Bible, they write about um, that there was myrrh and frankincense and the oil that they use for their atonements. And so you can have much healing too from just receiving an atonement. And then also plant brushings. Um, so taking the fan leaves and literally brushing the body with the leaves of the plant all over you. So I'll, I'll imagine if you're sitting there and I'll just come brush down your shoulders and brush off your third eye and the top of your head and through your chest and the soles of your feet. Um, you know, they're called the soles because it's the part that connects us to the earth. I, I love that connection. Um, and so there's also, you know, different aspects of, of working with these plants that before, before you even consume it. So if you think about all those steps that I just explained, compared to someone who might spin up a joint and just spark it, right? <laughs> so there's a lot that goes into building this relationship. So if you think about a plant as a sentient being, right? Like this plant is alive. It has a consciousness. Just like any new person that you meet, you want to respect them, right? You want to get to know them before you connect intimately with each other. And so with the plant, um, I have people talk to the plant. I talk to my plants all the time and voice that intention, right? Speak your 
your goals into existence. Tell the plant what you need assistance with. It's really your friend, your ally on mm-hmm. this journey. Um, and depending on your mode of consumption, mostly in my plant ceremonies, I work with cannabis. So there's many different ways that you can consume plants from smoking it to uh, having an oil extraction um, to using it topically. So there's, there's lots of different ways to work with the plant medicine. So thinking about what is the way that we're going to sit in ceremony with this plant. And I, I, I personally love um, smoking the plant um, because it also incorporates all of the different elements. So you have the ganja, which is representing the earth. And then uh, if you're using a water piece, like a, a chalice, you have the water there um, to represent the element of water and then fire uh, to light the plant up. And then it creates smoke, uh, which sends those prayers, those intentions up to the heavens. So that sense of air in the ether all around. So it's a, a great way to tap into all of those elements, which you might also have represented on your altar um to to start that ceremony that ceremonial journey into working with the plant medicine Mm, yeah that's uh excuse me that's pretty that's pretty amazing like you said that's not the popular sentiment right now in uh our world with the legalization of cannabis it's not quite on that wavelength so i can tell you have a very profound love for cannabis and as do i and uh (laughs) I think your approach to it is probably a not the way, but it's definitely one of the ways to go about it correctly is to really respect what the plan is, treat it as a almost like a, a reverend teacher, you know, because these that's what these plants kind of are. Uh, and to treat it almost like as an extension of yourself. And from there, yeah, you form like a relationship. Do you feel like you have a relationship with the cannabis plant or nature itself? Oh, absolutely. I'd say it's, you know, one of the most uh, deepest relationships that we can all cultivate. Mm hmm. Yeah. Now, what is it about cannabis? Because, you know, I I, talk, I know a lot of stoners and <laughs> they just they, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying they don't they don't. I've never heard anybody talk about weed like you just talked about weed. So, wh- what is it about cannabis for you? Like, what does it do? What what makes it so magical? Um. Well, for on many different levels. Um, first of all, on a physical level, for me, it helps um, to increase my appetite. It, as I mentioned before, it helped relieve nausea, helps with pain, and then on a spiritual level. I find that it helps with mindfulness. So keeping us in the present moment, right? And I think it was Bob Marley who said, the herb will reveal yourself to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who I hear say, um, if they don't have a relationship with cannabis, some people say it gives them anxiety. And I feel like that's because it's what's already inside of them, right? Whatever's already inside of us, it's going to amplify. And so it's a good way to get to know ourselves even deeper. Um, And I just, I just love cannabis. I love growing it. I love uh, making medicine with it. I love consuming it and sharing ceremony with cannabis. It's been a 
real true medicine for me. Uh, and like I mentioned before, I didn't always have that type of relationship with it. I might even say it was, a, I had abused it before when I was younger. I didn't understand. I didn't know about what's a genetic cultivar. I didn't know even what type of herb I was smoking on. I just knew there was some chronic and some brickweed and, you know, everything in between, but I, I wasn't sure who grew it or the farmer. Um, and so it wasn't really until that shaman's pharmacy class in college and also learning about permaculture and gardening in school <clears throat> and farming that I was able to, to have a respectful relationship with the plant. And that changed all my other relationships, including my relationships with humans, <laughs> mm -hmm. to, to be able to cultivate that sense of respect and uh, reciprocity. So when we're working with the plant, um, also being able to give back. And so how I've been doing that is really through uh, regenerative agriculture, regenerative farming, where you're creating something greater than was there before. So in contrast to sustainable farming, where you're just sustaining your status quo, regenerative farming, you're building soil, you're building the ecology in the soil food web. Um, you're using techniques like polycultures and cover crops and crop rotation to help create a greater earth. You're regenerating the earth. And so being able to do that while cultivating cannabis has just been such a blessing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> that's the vibe though, right there. Whatever you're doing, that's a good mission. That's awesome. It's crazy that it's still illegal too. At the time that we're this talk is taking place, January 2022, it's still a Schedule One substance in the United States. It's just blasphemy. I know it, does, it still doesn't mean much, and people are obviously becoming a lot more lax in their opinion. But it's just it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it just it really does. Like when is it? When is it going to happen? It makes sense because the plant is the most versatile plant on the planet. Can you name another plant that can produce clothing, shelter, food, and medicine? Mm -hmm. It it, it uh, rivals every other industry: the oil and gas, cotton, uh, pharmaceutical. So yep. that is why I believe it's not legal. <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. Which is unfortunate, and it's such a disservice to the people because to share something a little personal with everyone, um, I myself am, am a cancer survivor and my father was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago. And unfortunately he passed away two months after his diagnosis. And I'm from the East coast. I'm from Boston. <laughs> and what I find is that in that political climate, cannabis was not accepted as a medicine. People who grew up during the reefer madness uh, era see the plant as a drug. They see it as bad, right? And they yeah. only trust what your doctor in the white lab coat who has no education on nutrition or the endocannabinoid system, right? And so um, unfortunately, he would not accept my plant medicine. I came right away. I had um, FICO, which is a full extract cannabis oil. And um, 
he did not have the mindset that that was his medicine. Of course, I respect everyone and their choices of how they, uh, their healing path. Um, but really my personal goal is to help educate the whole world so that they can trust the plant medicine. There is no greater teacher than nature and there's no greater healer than the natural herbs. And we've just been conditioned to think that we need a pill or we need chemotherapy. Um, but that is not the answer. And so it is really unfortunate that it's still federally legal because I believe it saved my life and it can save many other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be looked back at as a, a giant blemish on our, in our history. I say it all the time. I say it's like a literal um, crime against humanity because there's so many people that are suffering or were suffering or are going to be suffering that could you know benefit from this plant and they either one reject it because of propaganda or two don't have access to it like literally just don't have any physical access to it and that pains me man because as we know you know the cat's out of the bag it's 100 percent of medicine and yeah like it's like damn there's so many people it's not like one or two people you know that are suffering like there's thousands if not millions that could be helped if these things were just legal not even just cannabis all plant medicine cannabis psilocybin dmt ayahuasca maybe mescaline anything all these things that were put here literally they were put here for us <laughs> you know it's not a coincidence they just so happen to grow on the earth and they make us feel better it's like they they were all here for us and we're just saying no no thank you god we're just gonna make our own medicine we don't need that stuff <laughs> it's just craziness it's lunacy like in the future people be like what was wrong with those people <laughs> but at least we are smartening up like we are we are coming being able to have a talk like this and you know uh slowly slowly legalizing psychedelics uh we are getting there to a point where you know if you are going through something you have some kind of ailment you will have access to the medicine and yeah not everybody is going to want to do it but at least to have the option of having access to this medicine that's a that's a huge huge step forward for our entire species yeah absolutely and i i as you mentioned the legalization of psychedelics we're even seeing today <clears throat> due to capitalism the people in companies trying to isolate and patent certain molecules within mushrooms psychedelic mushrooms and <clears throat> i believe one company i don't remember the name but they were trying to patent the use of holding hands while on psychedelics or yeah. the use of sitting on a comfy couch and um i'm just so against all of that because i really believe we need to keep these plants and fungus sacred uh, as nature intended and as our ancestors used these plants, they did not put a blindfold on and put you in a sterile room with a single therapist. That was not how the ceremony went down. And yeah. I know for myself personally, <clears throat> uh, every psychedelic experience I've had has been outside in nature, has yeah. I've, you know, hugging a tree, sticking my hands <laughs> in the soil, observing my very first time I ever ate mushrooms, I have a poem that I wrote about it, 
because I observed this whole colony of ants and I laid on the ground and I just watched this ant carrying a big leaf and oh, I had all these profound insights and epiphanies and that was the medicine for me. That was the healing and connecting mm. with nature, you know, watching the sunset on psychedelics. Or uh, I remember one time I saw the moon and the sun out at the same time and it just blew my mind. Um, and so, I mean, you don't, you can't have that experience. Yes, there may be lots of, of healing when we go into our traumas with a therapist. But my question is, would the shamans of the world today, um, would Maria Sabina, who was the first uh, mushroom medicine woman out of Mexico, who really introduced mushrooms to uh, the West, would she be qualified to be a psychedelic therapist today? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's progress, but it's like maybe we're not going about it the right way, but we'll, maybe we'll learn or maybe we'll do, there'll always just be this, there'll always be the system, you know, the way that we're doing it with therapists, which is still, that's great. That, that's amazing. Uh, but then there'll always be this like other, the, you know, the, the organic healing uh, aspect. I don't know. I feel like in order to truly go back into the shamanic practice you know, we're going to have to totally switch our society. Like that just wouldn't fit in the popular Western world. Like that paradigm is just so distant. It just doesn't even make sense to people. You know, I totally agree. I think that's how it should be. Just being out in nature in general, doing it like that's night and day between doing it inside and outside. Uh, yeah, night and day. But it's just, I don't know, man. That's like, it's such a hard wavelength to get on. I think it's possible, but it's going to take some time. Well, you know, perhaps they could co-evolve together mm -hmm. um, and not, it's not like a either or, but as we evolve as a species, as a community on this planet, um, when we, when we work with plant medicines to respect our ancestors, when we're evolving in the way in, in which we're using them because there is such great research that comes out every day. Um, and a lot of people do report healing from working with a therapist. Um, but with that being said, also having the respect and the reverence and the ability to use these plant medicines on our own. Yeah. is so important because mm -hmm. as they become legalized, these questions come about, well, who has the right to use these plants? Is it just a licensed therapist or, you know, can I as a citizen grow, cultivate mushrooms and use them in my home? Do I have that right? Or is that going to be taken away? Um, so I think these are important questions that we ask. And even we saw with the legalization of the cannabis industry, what happened was we completely treat the plant, um, with disrespect, it is being grown with pesticides, fungicides, herbicides. Most legal licensed dispensaries are using inorganic matter. They're using rock wool, which is carcinogenic. They're they're using soil. Really? Yes. Damn. 
plants don't grow in rock wool. So, <laughs> yeah, right. What is rock wool? Isn't it just like insulation or something? Yeah, it's insulation. But Damn. you don't want to imagine a plant growing in insulation. So cannabis does not grow in insulation. And then when you do that, what you're doing is you're removing the soil food web, right? If you don't have a living soil system. And so if you're growing a plant in insulation or cocoa coir, even a soil, which is not alive. So I'll call that dirt, which is dead. You're bypassing the soil food web, which means you now have to bind your nutrients to a salt. Now, salt farming is a product of World War II from the industrial ag revolution when we had chemicals left over from bombs seriously, that, that we needed to figure out what, what are we going to do with these chemicals, everything from fluoride to the whole NPK revolution, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. And we're still in this industrial ag today. So what, what happened when the cannabis industry became legal is they brought all of this indoors. And so again, you're bypassing the soil food web. You have to bind your nutrients to a salt which is not natural at all. Plants do not use salts in earth. That's not how the earth works. That's not how the ecosystem works. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we think we're smarter than nature, but we're really not. Uh, Nature will always outsmart us. And then they have to flush their plants, but you'll never truly get rid of those salts. And then because you don't have a stable ecosystem, you're inviting in uh, pests. And so you have to use pesticides. And a lot of what we see here, especially in Colorado, is we're producing, not me, but the greater we are producing herb with PM, with powdery mildew on it and selling that to cancer patients. That's just atrocious. That is not how the plants are are supposed to be grown. Um, You can create a, what's called a no-till living soil container indoors. Um, That's what I have here, an example of here. We have our soil growing with the plants and model it as best you can. Um, It would be ideal for the plants to be outside in the natural sunlight, but I know here in Colorado, it's illegal to grow cannabis outside. It must be indoors. And then the same with the hemp industry. Once hemp became federally legal with the Farm Bill in 2019, we saw a lot of farmers treating hemp exactly how we treat corn, wheat, and soy. And so they're growing it monoculture, so one single genetic in straight lines. And again, that's that's not how nature works. And so what I encourage farmers to do is regenerative agriculture, which if someone argues, well, you can't do that large scale, that's what this entire planet is. This entire planet is growing regeneratively where you see companion plants and polycultures all growing together. So hemp and cannabis, for example, um, they love to grow with brassicas and clovers. They fix the nitrogen in the soil and make it available for the plant to uptake. So instead of having to put an artificial fertilizer in, you just put the plants that naturally would grow with it. So you create this eco- ecology that supports life. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. You know what the problem is, is that the people that own these institutions and, you know, dispensaries will say, 
they're not cannabis people. They're not people of Gaia, you know? They're just they're just people that are just trying to make money. They're just looking for, you know, quantity over quality. And right now that's kind of that's working. That's the name of the game. It's just like, you know, what's the highest THC percentage you can get and how much of it can you get? And that's it. And that's it. there's no love for the earth because obviously I could tell from how you speak you have such a love for the earth and you just you have a relationship with Gaia you know the spirit of Gaia that's not present today in the legal marijuana market I mean it probably is with some people but with the majority of people they're just they're just um business owners they're just trying to make a quick buck and it's working that's the thing is actually that's what's happening is people are making a quick buck off of um, poorly grown cannabis. It's just, it's just very mechanized. I, I work at a cannabis cultivation facility. So everything you just said, I was like, damn, she's right. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah, it's just totally not connected to the earth at all. It's just very mechanical. I almost feel the plant's pain. Like I almost see it. I'm like, Oh, I wish I could help you. I wish I could give you some real sunshine and some soil, but it's, uh, yeah, it's all just about follow the dollar follow the dollar, man. And, and it can be done. Um, there are a lot of great people and companies doing great things. Um, I myself have a, a hemp farm. We have a regenerative hemp farm called Suelo Vivo. And so we make a full spectrum raw hemp blends. And so as you had mentioned about the THC percentage, I think that's funny because a lot of people you'll hear say just seeking out the highest THC, but you can actually have a real psychoactive experience just from the terpenes of the plant. The terpenes hold a lot of those medicinal qualities or how you might feel those, the psychoactive feelings, um, whether it's like a limonene, which might make you feel really energetic, or if it's more of like a pinene terpene that feels more earthy and grounding. And so people don't really understand about that. So that's why I like to bring in that sense of mindfulness before we consume a plant. Cause maybe if you're looking, I've been in a dispensary and been like, there's powdery mildew on all of your herb that's on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And there was some case, uh, I think it was in Canada where it was a multi-million dollar cannabis company and they all their plants had tested for mold they tested positive for mold but they had like millions of dollars worth of pounds of weed and so they actually lobbied to change the mold requirements and they won and so oh their, their herb has been sitting for probably half a year to a month full of mold and they just released it to the public yeah that should be criminal that should, should be. be criminal yeah <laughs> so these plants you know, it's great that it's legal, but are we respecting the plant? Are we respecting the earth and our communities as we change the laws around how we consume and grow these plants? Because it is a medicine and it can help a lot of people. And, you know, hemp and cannabis can do so much for the world. I saw about hemp plastics. And um, I just got some hemp shoes the other day. And even the sole is made out of hemp. Um, and so, you know, the sky is the limit of what we can do with this plant. And even uh, there's a story about the Buddha who lived off, off of uh, hemp seeds. He just ate the hemp seeds. And they say he was under the Bodhi tree where he got his enlightenment. But I think it was a ganja plant. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, references. Even in the Bible, they talk about the burning bush. And yeah. I think that was a cannabis plant. You know, what bush burns and then you get in, insights. If you burn ganja, you know, it wasn't just any bush that was burning. It was mm. ganja that was burning that, that brought these insights. And in ancient Egypt, there's a Sekhmet goddess and there's uh, a little cannabis leaf over her head in the drawings. And, you know, we've found it in the tombs in China and everyone has been working with these plants because they've been on this earth before we even were here. Uh, you know, they've been here for thousands of years before us humans. And so the plants have so much wisdom to share with us. Yep, for sure. I think we're just uh, disconnected from a relationship that we always used to have. And it's only because of the generation that we are literally in. You know, we're, we're, we're um, descendants of the drug war, which is still very prevalent today. Um, we're still living in the shadow of the drug war. And it seems like we're coming from a world that never even had that relationship whatsoever. But the fact of the matter is, we just uh, blatantly disregarded ourselves from that relationship that we've always had for thousands of years. And um, yeah, it's a it's a weird time to be alive, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's pretty cool that we get to experience this it's almost like a, a reawakening, like a re you know, this is I think that's what apocalypse means like you know it's a it's shining the light or something like that um and that's what's happening we're shining the light on ourselves that we neglected for such a long time and ourselves as in you know our relationship with the earth you know our relationship with these plants and yeah it's a great time to be alive <laughs> it's it's like it's like we're we're becoming this the versions of ourselves that we were supposed to be it seems like like we, we were always supposed to have this relationship with cannabis and the herbs. Like That's why we literally have an endocannabinoid system in our brain. It's not there by accident. Didn't just so happen to pop up. It's because we've literally evolved to have that relationship. And other animals also have an endocannabinoid system too, I think. So it's like the relationship goes back so far in evolution that we share it with other animals. So we, we have been in relationship with these plants specifically cannabis for our entire existence probably like most likely we've always had some kind of relationship with cannabis uh and for to neglect that is neglect neglecting a part of how we should truly live like you can't just like you can't just ignore that and that's the society that we were born into we were born into a society that just completely ignores a very large portion of our entire being, like what it means to be a human being. Um, and yeah, that's how we got into our society that we currently live in. It's, uh, it's like I said, it's an interesting time to be alive. Yeah, I definitely like to remind myself that I am part of the earth. You know, we're not just stewards of the earth, but we are the earth. We're made out of earth. And a really interesting fact, I'm not sure you're aware of, but if you count up every cell in our body, we're only 10% human. So 10% of our cells are human cells and the other 90% is our microbiome. Oh. And so Damn. when you think about that, you know, we're, we feel so much more connected because we literally are. So yeah. I, I just, that just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. 
that's that mindset is a way to reorient what you think of yourself as you you know what it, what are you well people would be like if you ask that question you know most people they be like well i am i'm gary you know you see don't you see it i am i am gary but then it's like no but what is gary i'm like i'm a human being what is a human being and then like you said you can just keep going further and further like we are yeah i'm, we're, I'm bone skin hair you know this this physical form but what makes up this physical form is that's the beauty that's the magic that is what we truly are we're a part of this process we're not just a separate thing that is just existing coexisting with um the earth like we are literally of the earth like this we are not just like separate we are the same as the earth nature and each other and that is the whole you know that's the process of awakening awakening to truly what you are deep down deep down at a like you said a molecular level at a at an atomic level uh to see that and to really fathom that man for me that that grants me like a sense of humility a sense of connection here like a sense of uh like yeah i'm supposed to be here like there's this this earth cultivated me um or cultivated uh, an extension of itself so that I could be here and do some, I don't know what, you know, what have a podcast, whatever it is, just be here and, um, you know, experience what it is to be a human being. And that for me is a sense of, uh, I don't know, like a sense of purpose, you know, to reorient your way of seeing yourself in the world, to see yourself as the world and as the process is truly it's a liberating feeling. You know what I mean? It's very liberating. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you said awakening. Um, cause there's a, a big culture of woke culture where I, I think the word woke is past tense, right? But if you're mm. awakening, it's something you continually do. And so that's why we practice ceremony so we can continue to keep awakening over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you think it's like something like a wavelength that you have to tap into like that. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, uh, you know, you're, you're tuning yourself in a way to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and you, know, it, it, you can think of it like a radio. There's different frequencies and you might be on a channel that has static. And so you got to just tune it again. And that's what we do every day. And so I love to practice ritual um, and routine, you know, every morning having a certain ritual to just kind of tune myself back up and find mm. that attitude and find that purpose and find that joy in life. Uh, what a joy it is to be alive. And you can, when you say, you know, who's Gary or who's Rachel, like, what am I or who am I? I, have been studying a lot of quantum biology as well. And I found it so interesting that what they found is when you try to study a molecule, um, it knows that you're looking at it, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so um, in quantum biology, basically what they say is it might be spinning one way. And then when you look at it, it could start spinning the other way. Yeah. And, and I find that so fascinating to think about all the way down to our cellular level, into the spirit, um, into that sense of uh, 
biology of, of belief, yep. so to speak. I like that biology of belief. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that gets into the idea of intentionality that we talked about. Exactly. Exactly. Bring this all the way back full circle. That's why it's so important. You have an intention because uh, your thoughts literally create your reality, right? So, whoa, how magical I can create any reality I choose. Um, and, and when we think about that, how powerful do we become when we understand that our thoughts create these realities? Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the that's the superpower we all have yeah exactly you just gotta tap in first uh if you just say that to somebody then they don't know if they do what are you talking about that doesn't make any sense <laughs> you have to know like you just if you know you know type thing that the you know um what's that what's that movie uh it's a book too i can't think of it right now I don't know why it's about that manifestation oh law of attraction was oh, the law of attraction yeah that... i mean the law of attraction is an, a great example of that um put into practice that yeah. if you can believe it you can become it and embody it whatever it is you're trying to be or whatever answers that you're seeking it's really just unlearning everything that made us think we don't know. Yeah. And again, that's what the plants are here for, to, to be our guide and to show us the way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> it's pretty cool to be able to do that and say that, that you are the main character in your own movie, to know that, to truly fathom that. Um, that's, uh, like you said, yeah, it's a sense of power like true power, not power as in like financial power or clout online, like to, to truly be empowered in your own being, no matter the circumstance. That's something special, man. There's something about being able to resonate at that frequency, no matter what. And obviously, easier said than done. You know, we can all say that we, you know, we do that or we're capable of doing that. But, you know, life always throws us curveballs. But to be able to have that ideal, at least, is a huge step ahead, I guess, or if you want to say ahead, it's not like it's a race or anything, but it's a huge step forward for your own being to be able to say, but wait a sec, there is that constant peace or constant connection that we can reach and, and, you know, reorient myself to see that my suffering and drama of life doesn't really mean so much. That obviously, like I said, it's easier said than done. You know, we're not quite at that I'm not quite at that 100% being at peace level all the time, but at least I know that it's that ideal is there in the back of my head, you know, to be able to have that sanctuary of the self to retreat to it's liberation. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the beauty of being human uh, to humble us. None of us are at a hundred percent peace all the time. And mm -hmm. I like to think about um, the, levels of energy or you might think of it as like your chakras the seven levels of energy that we have and there's always a purpose for each level that we might be in um, or each emotion that we might feel if you feel fear that's okay that's there for a reason um, inherently in our our own biology of being human but we don't want to live in that sense of fear right so it's okay to feel it. It has a purpose, the fear, so we don't walk into traffic. <laughs> um, but 
we can identify it and then move through it and then come to that sense of peace, right? Mm -hmm. We know it's there and that's why we practice and that's why we have ceremony and rituals so we can remind ourselves. Hey, we got a guest. Yes, my guest Phil is here today. Phil? <laughs> yep. That's awesome. That's the first dog on the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you're a first timer. <laughs> that's great. That just that just brought the vibe up. That's awesome. Oh, good. Yeah, Phil <laughs> tends to do that. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were saying now. I'm too distracted by the dog. What did oh, you sorry. just say? Um, yeah, I was <laughs> just talking about... Um, hmm. You forgot to? Yeah. Come on, Phil. <laughs> He's been sitting here with me the whole time. He just got up. That's great. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I had a point. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I was talking about being human and uh, understanding that all of our emotions mm -hmm. have a purpose. And exactly. to not dwell on any one emotion because um, you can also think of it as the seven energetic levels where the first one might be a sense of anger. And then the seventh level is a sense of oneness. We are all one, we are connected, but you can't live in that sense of oneness, right? Um, and a good example is about the avatar where when he goes out into his like greater sense of self, he has somebody watch his physical body because we, we can't um, be safe if we're just all living in this oneness, that's where you'll go walk out into traffic, right? I'm one with yeah. the car. I'm one with everything. Um, so that's why it's it, it, we're humbled in being human in our humanness. We have fears. We have things that make us angry or trigger us. But that's why we work on it. That's why we integrate. That's why we work with our plant allies and our human allies and our animal allies. Um, and it's always a continuous process. It, you know, it's never ending our whole entire life until we return back into the earth and become composted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. 100%. It's when you or when we um, push those humanly aspects away of ourselves that we don't necessarily like to recognize that's when it becomes a problem. But when you fully embrace what it means to be a human, which isn't always, you know, butterflies and rainbows, when you can get on the wavelength of accepting yourself and fully loving yourself for everything that you are, that's when you truly do uh, get on the path of peace. Because first you have to find peace in what you are. You have to figure out like what it really means to be in this body. Um, and then, yeah, you can approach your life to peace and then you know approach that oneness a little bit easier a little bit more often but first you have to i think yeah first you have to phys uh, figure out the physical vessel first of your body which is the purpose of yoga meditation tapping in and then you can get into the to the realms of the mind of what we just talked about like seeing your true being like your your connection with the earth and the cosmos and all of the plants and how it all lines up in the order and in all of it uh yeah yeah, it's like at first it starts with the good foundation. You have to figure out your your separateness here, your physical being, you know, as Gary, as Rachel, as the as the viewer, the listener. And then once you kind of can tap into that, you realize that's just the beginning. Once you tap into your body, you know, your chakras, once you tap into that, then you're like, whoa. Like you said, it never stops. It just it's a continuous process of awakening. It just doesn't stop. And 
to me, that's like, there's no sweeter fruit than that. The sweet, the, the fruit of, uh, of self-realization is just, it's just a constant process of, um, truly, truly being, I guess, just truly a living for what it is to live. No, it's hard to explain. No other words to put on it, man. It's just, uh, it's like a very genuine, like it feels very genuine. Like, I, I feel like, um, I'm not living since I've been on the path. Um, I'm living a little less. It seems like, uh, like I'm trying to make a, like make a show out of myself. Like I'm trying to make a, you know, not act out of the ego is what I'm trying to say. And that might sound like an egotistical thing to say, but it's true, man. It's like, it makes it seem like, uh, I recognize my connection more with others in the earth. And from that, my actions change on how I treat others in the earth, in myself. And yeah, man, that's, I think that's the, that's the vibe. That's the wavelength that this, this world is slowly moving toward, you know, this whole conversation about connection with plants and uh, what it means and what it teaches us really breaking it down for me, at least it teaches me more of how to act as a human being, you know, how to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more humble, treat myself and others with a little bit more humility. And yeah, to just give back from and then in all of that is a sense of peace, you realize that's kind of what we are naturally deep down, we're all, we're all just loving and compassionate people just by nature, because that's just that's how we were, I think, wired, that's how we were supposed to be. That's kind of what I get taught from these plant teachers is they, they show me that you know, we're all in this together. We're all going through our own stuff together. Um, but because of that, I'm going to, I guess, maybe give back a little bit more to, to you because you are essentially me. And, uh, exactly. yeah, from there, you just, you just go with the flow. Like you just, you, you find out what your Dharma is and, uh, yeah, a little bit more peace. That's the flow. That's the vibe. At least that's how I see the world moving toward. Hopefully, um, I think we're all capable of doing that. I know there's. It might seem a little crazy because there's going to be eight billion people on Earth. But if we imagine a world, and I say this a lot, imagine a world where eight billion people are on the vibe of being a servant, being a servant to each other. We're all like, oh, we're all on the same vibe of like, all right, we're all in this together. Let's figure out what we got to do to get through this and let's not hurt anybody. Let's just be a little bit nicer, be a completely different world, completely different society. It wouldn't even look the same as what we're living in right now. But I, I, it seems distant, but I think it's possible. I really do think it's possible. And the plant teachers are most likely going to be a very huge aid for getting us there. It's almost like earth is trying to wake us up right now. Right. And, uh, that's what it's doing. I think the earth is saying, we got to wake, we got to wake these monkeys up, you know, because they can probably feel it. Like the earth can most likely feel the, because if we just, like we said before, we are part of the earth. We're just a part of the guy in mind. The mind right now is probably saying, we got to do something. We got to send them a message. All right, we'll, we'll send them cannabis. We'll send them some mushrooms. We'll send them some ayahuasca and maybe it'll wake them up. And I think that's what's happening right now. So my question to you is, do you think we can do it? without plant medicine like do you think we can reach this new paradigm 
without the aid of these plant allies or is it like we need to have these things at this point it's not going to happen quick enough without them well i i think um the the short answer to that is we need the plants because we are the plants we're part of this earth we're part of this ecosystem so when i think about plant medicine um you know a strawberry is plant medicine as well as cannabis as well as ayahuasca um, because it's the essential food that we're feeding our microbiome that becomes us and so all you know we need the plants to survive uh, as well as the animals and <clears throat> i think you know it's just this coming back to a reciprocal relationship with the natural world and as you said being able to see yourself in everyone and everything and that includes you know the murderers and the rapists on this planet and i believe everyone is born good and we're either sick or we're well and so the plants can help us um, who are sick to become well mm -hmm. i agree 100 and and then i take that a step further right and say all right, so if we are sick and the plants can make us well, but what about when we're at a point, if we get to a point, if we could ever get to a point where none of us are sick, would we need the plants? If, if we're all healed, because that's what these are called, these are, these are healers, right? These are plant medicine. What if there's nothing that we need medicine for? That, I mean, that would be great, but I would say, you know, you still need to eat, eat plants because the main thing um, from a scientific and spiritual level is that we live off the sun. And so to get the energy, we're sun eaters. So to get the energy from the sun, you're either consuming a plant that has photosynthesized the sun or consuming an animal that ate the plant. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just to bring us back into this ecology, this the food web, um, we'll always need the plants, whether or not it's seen as medicine i think you know all food is medicine and so when you have all the plants um it's what keeps you well so say that you are well well you got to keep having an, an orange for example with vitamin c in it you got to keep having all of those vitamins and minerals in your body to thrive on mm -hmm. this planet so i you know from a, a mental health standpoint to a physical health standpoint, I think we'll always need the plants. Um, but that doesn't mean that everyone has to use plant medicine in order to find their healing, right? We all have our own healing journey that is unique to us. And, you know, like I say, ayahuasca is not for everyone. It, I don't think everyone should go drink ayahuasca. And when I went down to Peru, I was really surprised to find that the locals did not participate in ceremony. They thought we were crazy. They, they were uh, quite afraid of the ayahuasca and they said only sick people go drink. And I kind of might uh, compare it to if someone in the West had cancer and they went to go get chemotherapy, only sick people go do that. You don't go do that to expand your mind or to have fun. But what, what the, uh, Ayahuasqueros say is that, well, the Westerners are sick in the head and, you know, in your mind. And that is what the healing was really all about is to bring you back to that connection to nature um, and being able to see yourself as a part of nature, which is so humbling. And then that allows us to have this discernment 
So once we understand what is our intention or what is our purpose, that sort of discernment is so much easier to swing for every decision in your life from minute decisions to what am I going to wear today to larger decisions about, you know, where on the planet am I going to live or, or, um, you know, the foods that I choose to put into my body. And so really becoming clear about who you are and what you want to be will make those decisions a lot more easier and concise. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for as long as we are humans in this bodily vessel, and we're not in the metaverse, <laughs> we're not in the matrix, we will be uh, half, we will have to have that relationship with Earth. Like I said before, it's like, it's, it is us. It's, it's a, it's another aspect of our being and neglecting it is just neglecting yourself. So yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a good talk. Do you have um, that poem that you wrote? Um, I actually do. It's upstairs. Do you want me to go grab it? If you don't mind, yeah. I think that'd be a okay. great way to My very Sure, I'll be right back. Yeah. Take your time. A few moments later. This is from 2003. Nice. <laughs> My nice. first eight mushrooms. And it's called, I have a little drawing of the ant that I was observing. It's called Bug. Uh, The rain may fall or the sun may shine, but he has no control. His hardened shiny body scampers timelessly to replace nutrition's in the hole. While I sit and contemplate the reasons for being, the tiny ant goes back and forth. And all that I am seeing is this little creature who thinks and feels and moves for he knows meaning, what's real. And I watch him carry a leaf weighing more than him. I think about the times I too held high weight mentally. And so I began to grin as the little bug crawled upon me. Life is not to be thought about too much or to be hurried or too fastly rushed. This meaning I now know for that tiny ant taught me so. Wow. So I wrote that. in 2004. And that was with the connection to psychedelics really brought me that insight. And so I decided to let my creativity come out through a poem. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's probably a good uh, point to wrap it up at. Uh, Yeah, that was great. Do you have any last words? Anything you want to say to the world? Um, I just want to say that remain humble, do your best, and know that you are never alone, that, that you're always surrounded by the earth and the plants, and that is your great purpose here. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. To be at one with Gaia, to form that relationship with yourself. It's not something different. Yeah, you're more powerful than you can ever imagine and never forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> we, all, we all have the power. We do. Tap in. Just tap in with yourself and you'll find that power. 
we'll all, we, we all have the capability of finding that power. I really do believe it. And uh, yeah, on that note, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on here, Rachel. This was Thank awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely amazing talk. Yeah, other than that, peace out. <laughs>